Well, good morning to each of you. Greetings in our Savior's name. It is a blessed privilege again to gather and sing praise to edify one another and encourage one another just by our, our presence, our smiles, our fellowship. This morning, not, well, this morning too, earlier this week, my mind went many directions as I pondered life and inputs and what we should look at today. It's interesting, the Sunday school lesson, Eldon read the verse on down there in Matthew 23, where it talks about the things that were done, but the things that were left undone. And it says, you've omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. As I wrote down a sentence at the top of my notes to help me have a, a, a goal in the message, it, 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 part of it says this, in which we see the justice, mercy, and faithfulness of God. Judgment, mercy, and faith. I'd like to, first of all, look at, turn with me if you would, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 37. And I know y'all shouldn't be sleepy yet, but those of you can, stand up and let's read these four verses together. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thank you. You may be seated. That, we believe, is the crux of mankind's responsibility in existence, is it not? Jesus said it's the first commandment and the second commandment, and that's what the whole law, the whole revelation from God and his expectation of how people should live hangs on. Hangs on, is built on, turns around, it's the center. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 10, there's two verses there that say this. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. 
to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. That's probably what Jesus is referring back to. That command there of Moses, from Moses of God. And we see in Leviticus, the second half of that, it says in Leviticus 19.18, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So that's what God expects. God expected of his people. And if you continue reading in Deuteronomy, Moses lays out the Deuteronomy is, is that second giving of the law. That's kind of what the word Deuteronomy means, a, a second going over. And, and actually it's condensed in a, a very a beautiful book. As we go down to chapter 28, Moses gives the law and then he lays out the curse for disobedience. And I'll just pick a few points, a few, few verses there. He says, if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law written in the book, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and bring upon you all kinds of disease and sickness and problems. And whereas ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God, and it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you, to bring you to naught, and you shall be plucked off from off the land, and the Lord shall scatter you. And from one end of the earth to the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods. And it goes on to say that you're going to be uneasy you're going to not have peace these are the prob the 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 promise for what will happen if they disobey but it follows in Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 to 10 it says and it shall come to pass when all these things come the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee and thou shalt call them to mind when you remember when you're out in these nations when you've been dispersed, when you think about these things, and shall return to the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice, according to that, all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, that then the Lord will turn thy captivity, and have compassion upon thee, and will return, and gather thee from all nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. I'll just skip over a few verses. And thou shalt hearken, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of this of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, then God will bring these good things. So, why that background? My mind went to the book of Haggai. How many chapters does Haggai have? Anybody know? Two. 
What is the theme of Haggai? Well, it was an encouragement to the exiles to rebuild the temple. I didn't have much better or quicker answer than any of you. But I went there and I read and then I realized that I couldn't just jump into that book. There's a lot of backstory and, and where do you start Genesis? But, but to help see the setting of that book, I went back to look at the captivity, the destruction of Jerusalem. And I decided to, to begin here just with Josiah. Manasseh, his grandfather, was a, an extremely wicked king. He reigned a long time. And he encouraged the people to commit all kinds of horrible abominations. And then his son Ammon reigned for two years, was assassinated, and the people made Josiah king. Josiah was eight years old when he was made king. He was a godly king. He turned to God with his heart, whole heart. And then if we go to 2 Kings, let's turn there. I'll be reading a bit from, from 2 Kings. So, in his eighth year, I believe it was, he told them to get the temple put in order and Hilkiah the high priest found a book of the law and he gave it to the scribe and he read it to Josiah and he rent his clothes and then he sent Hilkiah the priest and says go find a prophet we need to see what's going on because this we are not living the law and those curses are going to come what are we going to do Jumping into verse 16 of 2 Kings 22, this is the word from the prophet. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, Thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. We'll see here that Josiah didn't just let it lay there. Hezekiah, after he showed the Babylonians all his glory, Isaiah came to him and said, You did something really foolish. You should not have shown your enemies all your secrets. It's all going to be taken, but not in your day. And Hezekiah said, oh, well. Kind of a, a sad 
attitude perhaps. But Josiah, when he heard these things are all coming, but it's not going to happen to you. It didn't, it didn't dampen his zeal to perform God's commandments or to, to passionately serve God. If we go to chapter 23, I'd like to read verses 21 to 27. And this is following the, the discourse of what all he did. Josiah brought about a tremendous cleansing and purging. Um, but we'll jump in here. It says, verse 21, And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of this covenant. Surely there was not a pa such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor of the kings of Judah, but in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holden to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book of Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. And the like unto him, and like unto him, there was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose any like him. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah, because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight, as I removed Israel, and I will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. A tremendous testimony to Josiah's passion. I spent a lot of time reading in this, in this period of study because you have kings and chronicles. Later you have Ezra and Nehemiah. You have the prophet Jeremiah, some of Ezekiel that all look at the same time frame. And I don't, I don't remember now exactly where it was, but one of the places it says that he broke down. Actually, right here it is. The high places... Verse 13 of 2 Kings 23, And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon builded for Ashtoreth and Chemosh and Milcom. Those high places had been there ever since Solomon's time. And we read of good kings in the past. We know that there were godly kings, but they let those things there, and Josiah got rid of so much of this stuff. And I have to wonder, why did he maintain his passion? Because all that he did, God said, is not going to change the sentence. The sentence is coming. The curse is sure. Judgment, destruction, exile are here. But he was faithful in what he knew. And I also have to wonder how much of his revival and reform did to prepare the heart of some of the people of the land 
that did go into exile. We know that when a king was wicked, that not every person was wicked in the land. But we see a glimmer of hope. We see tremendous examples of steadfastness and loyalty in Daniel who would have experienced some of the results of these reforms and this desire to, to be pure and follow the law. I have a board here, and I'm not sure what all to write on it. What you can see and what you can't. These are dates BC. And this is roughly the time of Isaiah, 700, 600, 5, was the fall of Jerusalem, or not the fall, that was the first carrying away into captivity. This is when Daniel and his three friends, along with a lot of the, the nobility, were taken away from, from Jerusalem. 586 is the destruction. 536 is when they were sent back. Roughly, these are, there's some conflicting by a year or two, which it was. And 520 is when the temple was actually rebuilt. What we're going to look at here, Josiah, I think was like 648 was when he came, became king. And there's a lot of political background that Chronicles doesn't give us much insight into. There's a lot of other references out there. If you look at the Assyrian Empire was declining, and actually we're reading about the, the spiritual zeal of Josiah, but I believe also that his political kingdom was, was actually expanding, and things were actually very bright for Judah during his reign. Uh, he actually probably had most of the land that had been even northern kingdoms under his control. It looked bright. It looked promising and hopeful. And then he was killed by Pharaoh. And his son, Jehoahaz, became king. But he was only king for three months. And that's when the first invasion happened in, five, in 605. I found it interesting that Josiah had three sons that were kings. You may have known that. I didn't realize that. Jehoahaz was his son, and, and actually what makes it all the more confusing is that all three of his sons that were kings have different names at different places. So Shalom, Eliakim, and Mataniah were three of the sons of Josiah, but their names as kings were Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. Just an interesting, an interesting understanding of what all was happening. But Je Jehoahaz, Josiah's son, became king, was only king for three months, and he was carried away to Egypt. Not to Egypt, excuse me. 
I said that wrong. That was, Jehoahaz was actually a few years before. Just well, actually right in here. But he was taken to Egypt to Pharaoh. And his son Jehoiakim was, ca was captured in about the third year of his reign and taken north to Babylon. So Josiah, we had then Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim was taken to Babylon. And I'm not going to look at all that in detail. But Zedekiah then was, was made, well, Jehoiachin was, was taken. Now I'm, I'm getting, I'm not being as clear on all this as I should. Jehoiakim was, was, was captive at the first invasion. But he was actually, I believe he was actually left there in Jerusalem. They took, they kind of stripped him of his nobility, but left him there. Jehoiachin was taken. But Zedekiah then was set up. And this is something that I want to point out. If you go to Jeremiah 38, as I said, I've read so much and I had my mind so full of so many things that it's hard to keep it all straight. But I hope to be able to present some things that, that are helpful. Jeremiah 38, verses 17 and 18, and again verse 23. Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, If thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the, Babylon, unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire and thou shalt live in thine house. But if thou wilt not go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then, this, then shall this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. And then down a little later, So they shall bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. But thou shalt be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. Would Jerusalem, would the temple have had to be burned? I look at this and I see the mercy of God in the judgment of God. I talked about that at the beginning. Let's see, we'll see, we see in this the judgment of God that is sure. We see the mercy of God and we see the faithfulness of God. And here I think I see the mercy of God because he's saying, if you will, if you will do what I say and surrender, accept the judgment... I'll spare your life. I'll spare your city to a large degree. Yes, there would be captivity. That was already started. But because of Zedekiah's stubbornness and pride, there was a lot greater destruction. And then I had to think of, of my life and of how often do we have an opportunity to repent to take what we know is coming. But we don't want to accept it. And we dig ourselves a deeper hole. So this, this here, 605 B.C., Jerusalem destroyed in 586. And Jeremiah promised 
in verse 28, he's bringing a prophecy and he says that Nebuchadnezzar will come and they will destroy the inhabitants. And then he says, this whole land shall be desolation and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And when 70 years were, are accomplished, I will punish the king of Babylon. And if you look forward here, that's 70 years from that first exile, not from the total destruction of Jerusalem. But there was a promise that even though this destruction would happen, there would be those that would come back. The captivity would not last forever. And if we go to Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah sent a letter. I'd like to read that. Twenty-nine verses one to fourteen. He sent a letter up to Babylon. He was he was still down at, at Jerusalem. He actually later went down to Egypt. He was carried down there with those left behind and. Here again, it was a sad story of the exact same repetition of what Zedekiah heard. If you will just stay here, surrender yourself. It was the, the governor that had, well, there was, the governor left in place of Zedekiah was actually assassinated. And then the people said, what do we do? And Jeremiah said, stay here. And they didn't. They went to Egypt and they died there. But here Jeremiah writes a letter back to those that are, that are captive in Babylon. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captive to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive to Babylon. After that Jeconiah the king, the queen, the eunuchs, and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elasa the son of Shaphan and Gemariah the son of Hilkiah whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. And then we have those verses that everybody loves. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and will turn away your captivity. And will gather you from all the nations, from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. 
and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. That sounds like Deuteronomy chapter 30. God is merciful and God is faithful and he will bring you out. So don't despair. He also tells the people that he will judge those that have have brought their judgment upon them. There's always in the prophets, in looking at the prophets, and and I, I think that there's a lot in the message of the prophets that I have found hard to to grasp because there's so much there that doesn't make sense. But you know there's a theme that runs through of, of the, the faithfulness of God and the promise of God. And in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah gives that forward-looking promise of hope. And he says this, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the hand to bring them out of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband to them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Looking forward to the new covenant. I'd like yet to draw on here a little bit. We know the kings, and we'll run into them later. But you have... Nebuchadnezzar that brought the destruction he actually reigned and was overthrown in 538 so just two years before the exile returned because that happened under Cyrus His reign was not real long, and then you had Darius, and he reigned, and I, I don't know if you can see down here, but we have 520 up there, there's another timeline that we need, and that's 457 and 445. I just want to get this picture. Darius reigned until about 486, and then you had Ahasuerus, and that was during the time of Esther was after Darius, but before Artaxerxes, who actually reigned during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, what I want to, to look at now, just point out, we're not there, but while I have this here in front of you, and I know it's jumbled, but the time from the return, 536, is when they were sent back 
allowed to go back by Cyrus. And sometimes we look at Ezra and Nehemiah and it all flows together, right? They went back. The exiles returned. And that's just kind of how it goes in my mind. You see how long it was from this time to when Nehemiah went back? 536 to 445. That was 90 years. How many generations? There's a lot that happened in there. But I want to, I want to just point that out. That Cyrus, Cyrus was the king that God raised up to destroy Babylon and to judge them as he had promised. And there's a brief summary in 2 Chronicles 36. The very last portion there. 17 through 23. Therefore he brought upon them the kings of the Chaldees who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. That would be Nebuchadnezzar. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, and brake down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped of the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants unto him and to his sons, unto the reign of the king of Persia. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah unto the land and enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, and he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build an house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't 400 years before. It was about 150 years before. And that is in Isaiah 44, 28. And I'll read that. And if you want to turn there, and I actually continues. There's a chapter break. I don't understand who put the chapter divisions. Because if you, I'll read 44, 28 and 45, 1 together. Talking, the Lord is speaking. Or he's, it's actually Isaiah saying, this is what the Lord says, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And it goes on to talk some more, give some more dialogue. And then down in verse 13, I have raised him up in righteousness 
and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. That was prophesied about 712. So if it was 736, that would be 200 years. So 175, 80 years before. There was a prophecy written that this would happen. And if you're turning, that was, that was the last of Chronicles that I read. And the next book is Ezra. And that, that speaks to their return in 536. And the time is up, so I'm going to stop there. But I hope that you have been challenged a little bit and encouraged as I was in studying this at seeing God's faithfulness. The mercy that he, he extended. And how... He fulfilled his word. He had a, a plan to work it out. And, and, you know, even the justice, the judgment of God. You know, sometimes we don't, like, we don't like punishment when we've done wrong. But aren't we glad for the justice of God? That God will make all things right. And God keeps his word. And see, as we read there in Deuteronomy, there were the curses that would come. And God brought them to bear, brought them to pass in his faithfulness and and also I believe to the children of the captivity he pronounced judgment on Babylon and it and it helped now nah, we don't seek vengeance revenge but they could see the, how unjust Babylon had been to them and they got to see that judged and I think it gave them as well a great appreciation for the justice judgment of God for his mercy and for his faithfulness. And may these things inspire us to worship and to serve faithfully as well. Let's have a song.